much horror business Driving late at night Psycho 78 12 o'clock Don't be late I said all this horror business Greetings and salutations My name is Justin Lohr And I'm Liam O'Donnell So we have a very special episode in, 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 in store for you guys. Today, we are joined by the homies from the But What Do We Know podcast, Marissa and Anna. And they are also celebrated members of the The Warrens are currently roasting in hell over an open fire club. <laughs> oh, no, I'm honored to be a part. Thank you guys so much for joining us to talk about these two amazing films. <laughs> Thank you for having us. So excited to be here. Uh, before we go any further, tell us a little bit about uh, But What Do We Know? Um, so But What Do We Know is a podcast that we we created about like two years ago, almost now, um, where we cover all we cover like a, all kinds of things from true crime to the paranormal to conspiracy theories, um, general current events things like that uh, we have guests occasionally it's just kind of our place we do a lot of talking we talk a lot it's kind of something that a lot some people don't like about we talk a lot about our lives and just being ourselves in general um, but we kind of we are your true crime paranormal conspiracy conspiracy theory place to go I like to say if you that don't. we're just like two friends chatting for a while and yep. people like the friend component. They're like, oh, while we're here, just chit chat. And also, let me tell you this weird story that I came across. So it's more like that's, conversational that's than way. it is like heavy research, you know? I like that. I like that a lot. And you guys are like kind of local. Like you're not far from, you're in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm in the Lehigh Valley and Anna is in the, the Electric City. And it's great. Oh, cool. All right. Well, today's films are two um, kind of kind of spooky. <laughs> um, they're. I'm sorry. What was that, Liam? I just, I <laughs> laughed at your description as you snorted. I heard that. Well, because I think I think to one of these films you're being very generous, and to the other one you're being slightly disrespectful because I think it's actually very spooky. I didn't say anything about host yet. You just said two movies that you said two movies that were kind of spooky. That's both movies, unless we're doing three movies. No, we are. It's I an average. I'm, I'm doing an average. Oh, you're average. It's an average. I like that. What is that our new thing? The spooky average. The yeah, the spooky average. Yeah. The spooky scale. Yeah, <laughs> we are going to be talking about uh, 2003's The Wicksboro Incident, which is the spookier of the two, and then this movie, <laughs> <laughs> this movie host. It it's came fine. out like last year. It's yeah. fine. It's okay. fine. It's fine. It didn't scare the shit out of me last night, even though I'd <laughs> seen this movie before and knew it was coming and it still got freaked the fuck out. I mean, I personally didn't scream out loud. It wasn't. No, neither wasn't did I. Me. There was not a single moment I actually hid my eyes. That nope. didn't happen. <laughs> not after the third time I watched it at all. I was not scared whatsoever. I watched it. <laughs> didn't blink a second. The last shot is certainly not in my top 10 most well-executed jump scares of all time. Absolutely not. Nope. Not at all. No. no. So yeah, Host and the Wicksboro <laughs> Incident. Uh, the Wicksboro <laughs> Incident is on YouTube and Host is on Shudar? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. But also, so I think I watched it on Amazon Prime. 
Oh, is it on Amazon Prime? It too? is on Amazon mm-hmm. Prime. Yeah. Yeah, but it, I think Ooh. it's I think it's like being like I think it's an official shuttered John. Like I think yeah. it's like they bought it after it came out. I don't know if they put it out first or whatever, but it's it's listed as like their production, even though I don't think they produced it. I think they bought it after the fact. Yeah, that sounds right. Fucking yeah. Sam Zimmerman and his tricky ways. Sam's the best. He is. Uh, but before we go any further, we should let you guys know who is bringing you this episode and who we have to thank. Mm. And as always, I would like to extend a heartfelt thanks to our patrons. I always say this. We don't do this podcast to make money. I wouldn't turn down money, but I don't, I'm not in it to make dozens of dollars a month. I don't, that's not what I'm here for, (laughs) but running a podcast does come with costs and to help offset those costs, we often turn to our petty cash and our Patreon fund. So if you have any interest in helping us make ends meet, you can head to www.patreon.com backslash cinepunks. Um, I want to say for those of you who are already patrons of the network, uh, make sure your profile has your correct current address. I, I now have a box of coffee from another sponsor we will hype up in just a few minutes, Essex Coffee Roasters. And I want to send you a bag of the Cinepunks blend of coffee. That's what I want to do. But if your address is wrong, because you are used to us not sending you anything, <laughs> then, uh, then, then I'm going to send it to whatever the wrong address is. And I know that a lot of you know me, and you're going to think, well, that's easily solved. I shall text Liam or email Liam the correct address, and that is a fool's errand, my friend. Simply go to your account and make sure your address is right, please, because that's the, a million times easier for me than trying to go in and I can't change your profile for you. You have to do it yourself, and that's just that that makes my life easier because I can print off directly from there. Anyways, I'm not going to get into the technicalities of it. Point is this: <laughs> just please make sure your info is correct on the site. Also, if you include your size, I will send you a shirt, assuming that you're above the five dollar level. I will send you a shirt with your coffee because I got shirts and I'd like to send you one. But I can only do it with your help, guys. I can't do it on my own. I'm not a psychic. I'm not magic. I'm only a little bit godly. So I can't do these things on my own. I need you to participate. Excellent. Whatever Liam said, I agree with. (laughs) Oh, and by the way, I'm putting this out there so I can be held responsible and held accountable. I will be doing my weird as yet untitled thing again. I have to re- record me talking about some of my favorite songs of all time like the song machine head by bush in which i stepped up to home plate with a girl in seventh grade and put my arm around her on oh the drive God. back from dorney park oh yeah not That's a lot of musical us. projects cover bush and turning point and uh what was something else you covered that was interesting he, it's just the variety of songs that you covered was really it was it was a trip through your life of the 90s and 2000s yeah just just wait until i get into like tripping daisy when i was like 14 years old and how much i love them and uh for you know for comedic sake uh primus which isn't yeah. on there but we'll say it is I mean, I, I want to write 1,000 words about Pump Up the Jam, but, uh, you know. Oh, <laughs> that's a lot of words. Uh, we also would like to thank um, the fine folks at Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Um, now, Liam. Yes. If I said to you, mm-hmm. 
No more memes about Fast and Furious and family. I'm done with it. I'm into it. If I wanted to get a shirt that said that. Sure. Where would I go to get that shirt made? You would go to xlvacx.com. You would talk to Mr. Christopher Reject. And you would explain to him why, since you are a listener of this show. Well, you're not a listener. You're a participant. But you know what I'm saying. Listeners of the show would explain that we sent them there and that he's to give them the best possible deal. And you know what he'll do? He'll give them courteous and professional service with amazing screen printing services. Yeah. Like if you have an idea for a a T-shirt that is like so stupid that you can't even get it out like, oh, I really wish that they had shown uh, Frog Thor and Loki kissing in the season finale (laughs) of Loki. If you wanted to get that made where they're kissing, they have talented people there who will draw that out against their better judgment for you because that's how much they care. Chris Reject is going through a very difficult time in his life right now. And I'm counting on you to make it worse by going there with your ideas. Mm-hmm. Because That's we true. can only break him. We, we can only break him together. Mm-hmm. You guys know how like they beat Ultron and Age of Ultron together. If we work together, we can destroy Chris Reject. So let's do it. www.xlvacx.com. Don't let those X's fool you. Chris Reject is a fucking poser. He's not straight edge. It's stupid. (laughs) Uh, I also want to thank our other sponsor, official sponsor, SS Coffee Roasters. Uh, It is true that the official sale on our Cinepunks blend has ended. You have missed out. But guess what? We're going to bring it back. We're going to bring it back. We will bring it back. You will be able to get your own uh, bag of the Cinepunks blend in the future. So keep an eye out. In the meantime, try some of the other great stuff. Maybe get another one of his partner blends. I know he's got a new Kill Switch Engage drawing coming out. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you can also just go ahead and get any number of uh, single origin coffees from him as well as his variety of blends. And also try out some of that tea. Are you a tea person? Do you like tea? Uh, he's got the tea for you. He's also got... Uh, T-shirts, hoodies, there's all kinds of merch over there. Head over to EssexCoffeeRoasters.com. My man is offering the freshest possible beans roasted to order. Uh, And what I love about that business is that they are approachable. They're trying to demystify quality coffee for you. So if you want to hit them up and say, hey, I ordered, you know, the uh, Ecuador uh, single origin. I'm wondering the best way to roast that at ho- roast to brew that at home. Uh, he's going to help you out with that because Aaron Dahlbeck is a man of the people. He is. I want to make hard business tea. I want to sit down with Aaron and he's going to offer the thing. He's going to have the tea in front of me. The you know the bowls of leaves and he's going to. Well, this is a nice um, chamomile tea and this is you know we have a, a, a very fresh jasmine tea. Here is some. Um, uh, some oolong tea, and he's, I can recommend the blend. I'm like, Aaron, I just got one question. He's like, what's that? And I'm like, when you made Give Blood, did you weep with joy upon hearing the finished mixes? <laughs> and then that'll be it. Then we won't get the oh, teammate. This will be too creeped out by me. If you enter in the code CINEPUNK, C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X, you'll get 10% off. All right, we're done. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> So now would come the time in the podcast where usually I would 
Um, I'd be working in my underground bunker on my alpha radio wave detector and suddenly my (laughs) head would be filled with this horrifying noise and my watch would become too hot to keep on my wrist and I would (laughs) run upstairs and run to a local farmhouse and I would bust into where Liam should be and I would yell, Liam, what horror movies have you watched recently? But Liam would, of course, be had been abducted by aliens. Since I can't do that. I'll turn to our friends from But What Do We Know and ask them what they've done involving Har recently. Well, we actually just watched two movies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's the right answer, but... <laughs> just these two? Is that, is that the right answer? I mean, it's a fine answer. No, well, he's I let, did what, sub- what he doesn't say is, other than what we prepared for this podcast, oh, God. he knows... Oh. I know that's what he means, but he just assumes you know that's what he means, and that's... It's not clear. So, no, he means just generally TV shows, movies, books. If you've done anything horror-related you wanted to mention. <laughs> um, I feel like all I do is watch, uh, like, true crime TV shows. Same. That's all I have recorded on my DVR. Um, what's the one that we watch? Um, Evil Lives Here. Have you guys seen that one? I think it's on the ID channel. No. It's basically they get... Um, it's like a, a storyline of real life, quote unquote, sociopaths. And they have like family members or usually it's a family member. It's like, you know, they thought they were normal, but there had been signs. And then they go through their entire life history. It shows like how they were really a developing sociopath. And then like, oh, they end up killing their whole family. Like who would have thought? And it's like, well, everyone would have thought if you paid attention to the signs. So my thing is sociopaths. I love them. I can wow. fuck with that. We um just at a dinner we're talking about that movie, a Serbian film. Have you guys seen that? <laughs> For some reason that becomes a topic that we like to bring up like uh, we're like, oh yeah, this movie, a Serbian film and the guy and he you know he he does this and we tell yeah. the whole plot line of the thing and then everyone thinks that we just had that conversation. I forget when at some some somewhere we were. But um, yeah, I like a lot of I like scary things. I've been into uh, learning about Ap- Appalachia, the, oh, the creatures ho- out there. Horrifying area of the country. Awful. And I'm just even too scared to talk about it. But I'm also fascinated by it. I think it's all hyped up. I don't think it's anything big out there. That's what they want still you to not think. Gonna, <laughs> still not fucking with it. But, I feel like I could hike I through Appalachia, no problem. It'd be fine. Yeah, tell that to the thousands of people that go missing <laughs> on the Appalachian Trail every year. Yeah, Anna, I don't think that's a good They're idea. They're not buddy. well equipped for it. Well, few of us are when it comes to crypto terrestrials. I've done my research on on the cryptos. So I think I'll be okay. I can make. Friends. Oh my god, are you serious? <laughs> we love cryptos. We love cryptos. We cover We're a lot get the of them squonk. on the podcast. No, We're no, no. I mean, I mean, like, are, are you familiar with the idea that like? Um, aliens aren't from outer space. They're from here on Earth. Oh, yeah. There was this guy that wrote a book a few years ago who just called The Crypto Terrestrials, Mac Tones, and then he died. Mm, under mysterious Ooh. circumstances? I mean, he had like a lifelong heart condition, but oh, also so no. under mysterious <laughs> circumstances. <laughs> that book changed my life, and I'll never go in a cave ever again. Do you frequent caves a lot? Yeah, I used to go caving, you yeah. go in? 
Really? No, but yeah. I, I, the, 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 what is the name of it, Justin? Like massive cave system? Like the huge, like the idea that there's like caves connecting all across the whole United States that are all part of one big network of caves. All of that is like horrifying to me. My personal hell is what it's yeah. called, I believe. Yeah, and there's like a term for I, you know, our friend Jake, who does the weird, obscure, and possibly unsafe podcast, or at least he used to. He was obsessed with the cave system. We talked about it all the time, and it just it freaks me out. It freaks me out. Yeah, that's what London After Midnight was about, and now I can't do that because fucking hell, you're. Oh, I, right. Do, I just read a story about a guy, which I think maybe that movie's about. If I'm not right, I don't know. There is a movie about it though, but. The guy that got stuck, he went too far into the cave and he lodged himself in there. And then he event he was hanging upside down, eventually went into cardiac arrest and they had to cement him into the cave. <gasps> oh, my God. Have you heard of this? Did they have to cement him? <laughs> they could get to him. They could have just cut his body down. They like either they they could have broken his legs to get him out, but they felt <gasps> that was disrespectful to his. Corpse. Oh, like he was already dead. Well, he they could have gotten him out if they broke his legs, but they were afraid that if they broke his legs, that he would go into cardiac arrest anyway. It seems like, you know, six or half a dozen. Like, it seems yeah. like they could have yeah. gone either way on that one. The if cement I was, was a little in much. Cave upside down and they were like, we can either leave you here and bury you in cement <laughs> or break your legs and you might have a heart attack. I'd break my fucking legs. I would, you could straight up cut them off at that point. If like, yeah. if you know what I mean? Like I'd be like, just, you know, get a hot knife to put on them on the stumps and let's go for it. <laughs> like I do. Yeah, let's do it. There's no scenario where the right decision for me is, yeah, just submit me into the cave. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I feel like that would I be my decision. To get cemented into the yeah, cave. Yeah, I think I think it's like this was my destiny. Like I'm here. Like this was my own doing. I think that you asked us if we do listen to or are involved in horror of any kind, and it just is that we are always in it. I think because you're always <laughs> doing like horror, horrifying stuff for the podcast. Even though it's not like horror as a as a literary genre for the podcast all the stuff you guys discuss is horrifying right it's like pretty horrific. yeah it's, it's it, never like good. oh this is this is a this is an upbeat we have an upbeat one this week on uh no, no. goblins that eat your flesh <laughs> this one is this one's actually uplifting yeah no my my favorite like paranormal thing was when um uh, the aforementioned jake had me on the weird obscure podcast and he was like just pick something. We'll talk about it. I was like, okay, um, let's talk about the concept of the unspeakables where MUFON and, and, and KUFOS, they won't talk about like how many, um, the idea of like the people that don't come back from alien abductions or the alien mutilations that resemble cattle mutilations. Mm -hmm. And Jake was like, we're not talking about that. It's <laughs> nightmares. No. It's horrifying. It is. It fucking... Have you guys heard of the, um, I can't pronounce it, the reservoir body down in Brazil? No, I don't think so. Holy that sounds scary. shit. Holy shit. Back in the early 90s, they found a guy down there that was like, the local authorities were like, yeah, he was a victim of the drug cartels. But oh. then like, you look at him and you look at like pictures of like cattle mutilations and you're like, this guy was, <sighs> yeah, it looks exactly like that, but done on a oh, person. No. Fucking frightening. Mm. And there's pictures of it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What is it called? Like, how would I uh, it? It's not me Googling right now. <laughs> it's like Gua Guada Paringa Reservoir in Brazil. 
body that it'll, it'll be it should be the first one that pops up <gasps> oh my god okay oh i'm ready <laughs> I feel like I feel like this. I I'm gonna pull a Jake here and say this is getting upsetting. <laughs> Just, Justin, Justin, ask me ask me about what horror movies I've seen. Lately. Okay, since Liam's a coward and doesn't want to pull back the curtain and talk about what fucking lurks under the ground and eats bro, us for breakfast, bro. You are more than you are more than welcome to explore that on your own separate. I endeavor. do it. Why do you think I am the way I am? <laughs> You'll just have to have, come into our podcast and talk. Exactly. about it. Oh my god, exactly. I would. Lo- I have shelves of books on horrifying nonsense oh that's perfect <laughs> fit right yeah, in yeah you'll t- we'll take it yeah Excellent. no it's it's it would be it's a good fit so justin to answer your question uh i recently watched i didn't ask that question but go ahead god damn i recently watched the a little trilogy of movies called Ugh. the fear street trilogy I, i'm sorry that you wasted fucking nine hours of your life on that i so i knew you were gonna say that i knew you didn't <laughs> dig on it and i don't know why i so I the general vibe the general vibe seems to be that a lot of people that i follow dug on the first one thought it was pretty good and then were bummed out by the next two and uh and then some folks just you know top to bottom weren't into it which i i feel like is your vibe uh, I don't know. These were fun. I, I just thought they were fun. They were like a. I felt like all three movies were a very solid, like three out of five stars for me, which is like I'm not gonna revisit them, but I I didn't regret watching them. They amused me. There were some weird decisions that I didn't quite get, um, and I and I think that they kind of suffered from what they are to some extent because I I think they are really meant for younger audiences so they they play into some uh i think ya kind of tropes that are not up my alley but then again you know whatever not everything is for me that's fine uh and i didn't i I definitely didn't hate them uh i will say there's a moment though in the third one that people aren't discussing that i think is really good and i want to take the opportunity to talk about it i'll probably also put it on social media later but there's this like there's this thing that happens in the third film right and i don't want to ruin it for people even though i think some of our audience would hate these movies uh but some might like them so you know whatever make your own decision uh but the villain in the third film right i don't want to say who it is whatever whatever but they're uh they're talking about uh an ancestor of theirs who uh through witchcraft has made this series of caves right uh and the caves are the same shape as the as a simple and what he's saying is you know my or they're saying sorry is uh <laughs> my ancestor forged this cave with their words and their will that's what what they say and you want to destroy that he made this with their words and their will and i thought that was really interesting because it's not true right it wasn't with words and will right it was with blood it was the blood of some nice lady who lives in a shack <laughs> they kills the lady and then yeah he says some you know hoodoo voodoo words or whatever the heck you know but it's the blood right and i thought wow this movie unintentionally has the perfect metaphor for whiteness i've ever seen that's all of (laughs) colonialism right there some guy saying we built this with our words and our ideas and you want to take that away from us and it's like no you didn't you built it with the blood of someone that you murdered that's that's what that's what you did and that's like literally what happens is like you know the, the the idea that this these folks who have all this privilege because of this this spell that was cast. I guess I still am kind of ruining the, not ruining, but uh, spoiling the movie a little bit, but fuck it. I don't care. Uh, that, that, uh, 
that they that it's like, well, this is because of the, you know we we did this with our the strength of our will and our conviction and our words. And it's no, nah, he's just just kill people. He just kill people and he use their blood to build upon. And uh, and in that sense, I was like, wow, this is that's actually pretty good. Um, but I you know I don't know that that justifies the whole three movies. It's 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 a little twee. They're a little twee. They're a little cloying. Uh, and I thought the the conceit of like the various killers being attracted to the blood of the person to whom that you know that they're trying to get is pushed just a little those mechanics don't work that's they, they push it a little too far with that to the point where i started to be like all right okay come on you know this does this isn't really working for me but other than that i didn't really hate it justin you thought it was bad top to bottom i didn't think it was bad per se um i liked the idea as anyone knows, I love the idea of there being like a small town with a fucking sordid history. That's every Stephen King book. That's minus racism. Every H.P. Lovecraft story. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of that. What I wasn't a huge fan of was every 20 fucking seconds some song from the 90s being played. <laughs> I just... It got really old really quickly. And I understand that the it's called Fear Street 1994. I'm on board. But like, I just, it just was like, okay, I don't need to hear garbage. I don't need to hear Bush. I mean, I do need to hear Bush and garbage, but like not, I. it was just, it was just too, as someone who was like the one character's age, like the younger brother's age at that time period, I was just like, I wasn't, I don't know. Like it was just, it was just too much. Uh, like, hey, look at this. Uh, we got white zombie. Blah blah. We got this and that and all that. And it's like, all right, we get it. It's in the '90s. Like, take it down a notch. You know, it's you can do shit like Stranger Things and It Chapter One did it, where they didn't remind you they were in the '80s every six seconds. Um, I don't know. It, it just, it, that just really took it out, uh, took it out of me, took me out of it. And then the rest of it just felt almost like a WB show or a CW show. <laughs> I don't find that to be an insult, but sure. No, I mean, the, well, okay. It reminded me of a CW show that wasn't in the Arrowverse. Yeah. Again, if, if, if what you're saying is it reminded Go you of, yourself. Uh, of Riverdale, I'm in. <laughs> first first oh, four seasons no. of Riverdale are great. I'm totally on board. Uh, and again, uh, you know, I, I hear what you're saying. I, the needle drops didn't really bum me out. I don't know. I think that's exaggerated for me. I think that it was a normal amount of retro needle drops and it didn't bum me out at all. It, if that's the case, I don't understand how you can watch Guardians of the Galaxy, which is 10 times as annoying as what you're describing for this movie. And uh I just think like it's not it didn't distract me even for one second. Uh, I would only say at the very, I'm sorry, very did Fear Street have a talking raccoon that I missed. And <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. It's I, I, I didn't know you were such a Bradley Cooper stand. Uh, <laughs> I think the very I think that I, the only one that actually took me out of it a teeny bit, but it's only because I think it's ridiculous was the very last one in the very last segment because of the song it was i was like ah, come on but it's just that was just a personal thing i don't like that song so there you go but that was you know it none of that really bummed me out that much it i mean don't be wrong people should know you saying cw is not unfair there is a cheesy corny campy aspect to this thing that i think 
is off-putting. And while it didn't bum me out, I do think it creates a distance for me. It, it, it There's enough here that this could have been a movie that like I would return to or I would at least recommend to people. And it wasn't that. It, again, it's. I don't think it's terrible. I had fun with it. I would show it to like if I if Maeve was a teen instead of a four year old, I'd show it to her because I think it. I think it has a certain like vibe that like you know maybe uh, uh, someone who's new to horror would get down with, and that's fine. Uh, but I do think like if that whole CW esqueness to it is a giant turnoff, you're gonna hate this. Like if you haven't seen it yet, it's gonna bum you out. For me, it was just sort of like a okay. You know, it's it's not something I could recommend heavily, but it's you know, it didn't make me upset or anything. All right. <laughs> anything so overall else? is it didn't make you upset. I mean, <laughs> here's the deal. It's worth saying that because the discourse around this movie is either like, oh, it's so great, real retro thing, it really won me over, or Fuck everyone who likes this. And I'm like, whoa, yeah. guys, everyone needs to pull back a little bit on, on the Fear Street movie. I mean, these are, this is an R.L. Stein property, right? Like, I'm, I'm correct here. <laughs> it's not like someone took a, uh, a Peter Straub book and made a twee version. You know, it's, it's I think the source material probably has a certain amount of like fun, like goofiness to it. Right. I don't know. I, 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 I was never really an R.L. Stein person, so I don't maybe I don't know the source material that well, but. I, I read Goosebumps and then I tried to read read his first adult novel and reading R.L. Stein write a sex scene set oh me no. back from going through puberty for like two years. Sure. Oh yeah, no. I definitely read. I didn't read any R.L. Stein. I don't think. Well, I guess I tried a couple books, but there, there was a book that was like, you know how there was R.L. Stein. There were there was all the imitators. Yes. And I definitely picked up uh, one of the imitators. And it was, you know, very much teen horror novel. And I, at that point, I was already reading like Stephen King and Dean Koontz and stuff. So I thought like, oh, this is no big deal. But there's a moment where it's a girl like falls down a cliff and she survives, but she's like injured on the way down. And the description of her injury was so graphic that I actually like oh, no. heaved a little bit. And I was oh, like, God. isn't this a teen but now what's funny is i was a teen so i'm saying this in a way like like i shouldn't be like it's for me but i remember thinking isn't this for teens what the fuck like being like really like creeped out <laughs> and then the rest of the book was cornball like nothing else was scary it didn't but just the description of this girl getting hurt i like really was like skeeved in a deep in, in an upsetting way it was it was crazy anyways um other than that though yeah i just did the movies that we did for the podcast i do have two uh, literary things. One is um, friend of the show Grady Hendrix's book. New book is out. Cool. And I brought it with because I knew I'd forget the title. No, I didn't bring it with because I forgot it. I forgot the book. <laughs> Fuck. Forgot <something>. Fuck, <laughs> Fuck. I definitely was going to put it in my book bag so I wouldn't forget the title because it's like, you know, his books are always interestingly titled. You know, My Best Friend's Exorcism or uh, the what's the Southern Vampire Club book i don't fucking know anyways he's got a new book and uh it looks really interesting just look up grady hendrix y'all he's great a lot you of know people he's know he's gonna be at the mahoning in a few weeks well, i don't live in pa anymore so thanks no i know <laughs> I just feel, now i just feel sad what's he doing at the mahoning by the way he's appearing at the mahoning he's yeah, but like, is he doing like a reading or something you know what i mean 
Yeah, he's re he's reading Proust and he's explaining how the literary motherfucker. The last time I saw him, <laughs> it's because he did a live event where he like does a whole performance around what the, his most recent book. Let me look. Let me do I, what you could very easily they... do on your phone. Hey, hold uh, on, hold on. Yeah, like you've never had to IMDb something in the middle of recording. The Final Girl Support Group is his latest novel. Yes, it's a live it presentation. Yes. Um. Yeah. It's can It's uh, Camp Blood. I'll. I'll probably be there. Cool. The. Yeah. I. I definitely want to recommend those live events that he does because, like, he did one for the heavy metal book. The name escapes me, but it's set in in Allentown, and it's about oh, we sold our souls for rock and roll. He does a, He did a presentation on that, and what it is is he takes the background research he did for the novel and turns that into like an edutainment performance. Like seriously, he did an hour and a half extemporaneous like combo educational and stand up comedy about satanic panic and how it influenced the book, basically. And then at the end, wrapped it up with a pointing out how Trumpism was just the next step in satanic panic and that a lot of the same actors are involved in the movement. It was crazy, man. It was like informative and hilarious and touching and just like it was partly about being depressed and it was unbelievable. So if he does anything similarly for uh, the final girls support group, then I think, I think it'd be worth checking out. I want to recommend that to people. Speaking of the Mahoning, the other thing I was going to say is uh, the most recent issue of Fangoria has a really good article about the Mahoning in it. So I recommend people check that out as well. And I you know, am done. Do you know why there's a thing in the, in the Fangoria about it? Why? Because I asked for it. Really? Aww. I mean, I kind of was breathing down Phil's neck about it. Um, I mean, you saw the the Har Business Twitter was basically me. Like, there was that day when they were. I mean, as we all know, um, you know, when they thought they were going to be shut down, um, the Har Business Twitter feed was me like panic tweeting at like John Squires, Brad Miska, the bloody disgust, bloody disgusting crew, Phil. Uh, people at Dread, Dread Central, like... Um, to be fair, I don't think that article was because of that tweeting because I had that issue in my hands before we found out about the Mahoney. Fucking God damn it. Ooh. Shut up, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> but it is true that Justin single-handedly saved the Mahoney, which is uh, great. I mean... You're welcome, by the way. Yeah, I really appreciate you doing that. Yeah, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> we're joking. I, everyone knows we're joking. We don't even need to say it. Okay. Justin, what have you done that's horror related lately? Um, I started reading a new book called They Come With the Rain by a guy named, I think it's Scott Coleman or Michael Coleman. <clears throat> it's pretty cool. Um, I Let me see the movies that I've watched. Um, aside from, the, I watched False Positive, which made me very uncomfortable. Oh, I've been way. wanting to watch that. It's pretty intense. Just a heads up. Okay. Um, I watched the Forever Purge, which I very much enjoyed. Oh, I meant to start that. Yeah, Where can it's, you watch uh, that at? I love the Purge. We got a screener for it. Mm. A legal screener is not legal. <laughs> uh. Not a horror movie, but I watched that Nick Cage movie, Pig, which fucking... 
I need to see it. It's like high up on my to watch list. Holy Someone shit. just texted that to me today that they need to watch Pig with Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Holy shit. It's, it looks amazing and I've heard nothing but good things. It's amazing. Um, I watched a movie called Classic Horror Story on Netflix, which was not nearly as good as I'd wanted it to be. Uh, watched a movie called Gaia, which was, I felt like I was on drugs, so I'm not sure how I <laughs> felt about that. And finally, I watched a little film called Werewolves Within. Oh, I forgot. I forgot mm. to mention that. I watched that as well. Very good. I like that movie. Yeah, we actually got a little harassed. So when I, we, we talked about it on Cinepunks. Josh didn't like it as much. And a uh, friend of the show, Paul Sharkey, was like, now that you guys didn't love Werewolf Then, we're going to beat you up when we see you, him and his lady friend. And I was like, <laughs> no, I liked it. I liked it. It was Josh who didn't like it. I thought it was a lot of fun. I mean, it's not like a top 10 all-time movie or anything, but that style of humor that the film is is like very up my alley. And I think the lead gentleman is just one of the most charming endearing funny people you can see in a movie i just i really had fun with it i thought it was really good yeah he he's in uh the forever war as well yeah i hear he's the only good part of that movie i wouldn't go that far i would say he's one of the few good things about that movie but you know it'd be like that yeah <laughs> um and i also watched violation Oh, yeah, we haven't talked. Well, I talked about it when I saw it, and then we haven't talked about it since then. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. I'll never watch that movie again. (laughs) I don't need. It's a sort of movie where I can say that it's successful and well done, but I don't feel comfortable recommending it to anyone. Like, I think the movie is what it wants to be, but I don't know that I can tell anyone that they should watch it, you know, because it's so deeply upsetting. And for a lot of people would be very triggering, you know? Yeah. um, Yeah. I mean, it was it was extremely well done. Um, I, I think it showed the subject matter in a way that was. Um, somehow tasteful and yet utterly fucking horrifying. For, uh, for listeners who don't know, and obviously for Marissa and Anna who might not know, (laughs) uh, Violation is a, I guess you would say it is a rape revenge film. That's what I was thinking by the title of it. (laughs) Only, only it is not like what those films are is exploitation, right? They're, no matter how much the people who make those films are not monsters, the movie itself will always be, in some sense, over the top because that's the genre. This mm-hmm. is not that, which is actually way more upsetting in some ways because when a rape revenge movie is over the top, it could still be triggering, but there, it's almost like the ex- excess of it is upsetting because it's fake because you're like this isn't real this isn't how this would be that is not what violation is violation feels very real and very respectful and probably made by someone who has experienced these things that doesn't make it easier to watch it makes it much harder wow it sounds like it would make it more difficult to watch because of how realistic it is yes yes and it's not it's uh i mean justin you can tell me what you think i don't think any moment of it is is done to 
heightened. There's no moment played for what exploitation movies are, which is an exaggeration. There's not like a caricature at any point in, in my mind. No. It's all played as realistic as you could do it without doing anything even more awful. You know what I mean? And yet oh, it's deeply upsetting. It's again, I, I, I don't want to say therefore avoid it because there might be people for whom that's something that will be cathartic and whatever. But I don't think I could recommend it because I think I don't want to risk anyone watching it who then it like just fucks everything up for you because it's it's not an easy movie to watch. And I I only was willing to watch it because I knew ahead of time okay, this is going to be hard. I'm going to prepare myself for it being hard. And it was still very hard. You know, there was nothing I could do that was going to make it okay. Yeah. It sounds it sounds like very extreme. But not extreme. But it right. seems, emotionally, it seems pretty extreme. Right. Yes. I, I, I think if it was more extreme, then you could separate yourself from it. It's mm. extreme because it's so real. And, yeah. And... Yeah. Anyways, I, we don't have to dwell on it too hard because I think it's neither me nor Justin is, is something we're trying to revisit. But I think it's worth mentioning to people for people who might be thinking like, oh, I saw this movie violation. It's available for people to watch. Right. Like it's it's on streaming. So uh, if you're listening to this show, you know, I, I, I'm not telling anyone not to watch it. All I'm saying is make sure you are prepared for something that is emotionally taxing. That's putting it lightly. Yes. 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 I mean, there's nothing I could say that would prepare anyone for that movie. So, no. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. All right. I guess we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about 1993's um, horror sci fi thriller, The Wicksboro Incident. <laughs> we'll be right back. I am convinced that everybody who was connected in any way with anybody who lived in Wicksboro were done away with. What happened in the town? Well, I think that the government had to cover up all of those deaths, and so therefore they bulldozed over. They wiped out the town. Took the whole town. There is the possibility that they didn't know that that was there. Your workshop. Oh my God. There's no way that I'm going down that hole. All right, all right, I'll go. No, no, you don't go to the cop. They'll just turn us right over to them. Fine. I don't think you realize what kind of trouble we're in. El Paso's a big enough town to where we can hide out there for a while. Because if these people get a hold of us, they will erase us. I can't believe that these words are coming out of my own mouth. But this threat to the human race is a very real thing. I don't know. Maybe people are better off not knowing. It's just too goddamn scary to think about. And we are back to talk about the horror sci-fi thriller, The Wicksboro Incident. In 1953, the entire population of Wicksboro, Texas, vanishes. 45 years later, a witness comes out of hiding to tell the story. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now. Well, well, I'm sorry. What were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say that because I, I kind of told you told this to you guys off of recording. 
I I was truly expecting something very very scary from this movie. Uh huh. Because I didn't know if your post was sarcastic or not, and I kind of. Oh, oh, that's weird. Same. Welcome and to the I world am, of Justin Lore. I was like, I'm yeah. going to learn something from this movie. I am enthralled, and it took me a minute to catch on to what was happening, but then I got it. Yeah. I was like, great, I'm going to have a horrible time watching this. Horrible <laughs> and great, because I'm just, but yeah, I just wanted to preface that I went into this with like very high, very high expectations. And how did it how did it stack up to your expectations? <laughs> um, it, I think maybe like it's it was like a bad it was like bad sex like that's the only thing I could yeah, relate yeah. it to. You thought something was was going to be happening at the end, but unfortunately, nothing did. What a great comparison! I love that's that. That's the only thing I can think of for that. <laughs> um i it actually reminded me of um an episode that we did um marissa remember when we did the episode on the mermaids yes so i went into this knowing nothing about the wicksboro incident movie at all and from your description you said it was a documentary so i'm watching it with that (laughs) mindset and I start watching it. I was like, this just doesn't seem right. And then I was like, oh, this is a mockumentary. And we did an episode on, well, I covered mermaids on our episode. And I watched this documentary about mermaids. And it was, it's called Mermaids, The Body Found. And it wasn't until like the very end that I realized it was a completely, it was a mockumentary, not a documentary whatsoever. And I felt like I was duped again. And I don't know why I don't do my research before starting any type of these movies. <laughs> I think we put a lot of trust into you, too. <laughs> well, that was a mistake. Uh, Justin, <laughs> Justin, so tell me about your relationship to the Wicksboro incident and why you wanted us to talk about it. Okay, so it's no secret that one of my, I don't know whether to say irrational or like absolutely rational fears is things that aren't human that look human like Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. concept like men in black men in black black eyed children Mm -hmm. um uh you know it's like the uncanny valley like Mm -hmm. it's that that's actually uh, there's just something about that 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 touches me in a very the uncanny valley is something that keeps me awake at night. Sure. I understand. Um, if anyone out there is interested, you, you head to morninglever.bandcamp.com. I wrote a song about it called Headlong into the Uncanny Valley. It's me shrieking bullshit about how this stuff scares me. Um, so this movie, like right there, kind of, I was like, oh, okay. Like it, it was recommended to me by Jeff Bezos. He told me I should watch this movie. So I I ordered it. God, I was, I think I was still in like grad school when I got this. Um, And I watched it. And the first like 20 minutes of this are like, I think a super effective setup. Mm -hmm. Um, I agree. That's where I bought into it. 
Yeah, but the whole idea of like they're just, you know, one day they're like these guys are like goofing around with this like brainwave detector and all of a sudden they're like, oh, there's like people that don't have regular brainwaves. Like I'm, I'm when I first when I first watched this, I was like, oh fuck, they're gonna be aliens. This is not good. Um, but then like it, I even think a lot of the acting is pretty solid up until about halfway in the movie, <laughs> and once they start like, um, they get to the place where the town supposedly was, and it's just like an empty mm-hmm. desert, and like the old guy is like flipping out, and I'm like. That's oh, where right. that's where I checked out, and yeah, I think it I just, was very like sub, like uh, I ascribed to it in the beginning because coming from someone who like does believe in aliens and you know I come to everything with an open mind, I was like, oh yeah, like totally aliens live among us. I completely agree with that. So I was buying into it when they brought out like the the alien detector thing. I was like, that is okay, no. But then when he started, what was his name, Lloyd? When he started freaking out, I was like, no, this, you lost me. Like, this is totally not making sense to me at all. And that's when I completely check out of this movie. Yeah, because even in the beginning when he's like talking about like, um, about what it was like to like find the entire town like gone, I was like, okay, like I'm, I, I obviously know this is fake, but I'm buying what this guy is selling. Mm-hmm. And then, so, oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 go on. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say it was like once they got to the place where they found, like, they had so discounted this guy as a fucking kook, and then they found this bunker, and the fact that there was any, like, the most unbelievable thing about this movie is that these guys had been like, this guy's fucking crazy. And they found the bunker exactly where he said it was. There was all these little details that were exactly what he said. And they were still like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> and then, like, the federal agent showed up and they were like, uh, Lloyd, are you sure? Like, no. <laughs> like, no reasonable person would have doubted this guy after that. They would have right. been like, let's get the fuck out of here. He's right. We And, and like... It was just all this unnecessary shit that, like, they tried to make it somewhat of an action movie, and that's where it fell apart for me, because they wouldn't be filming that. Like, they would just. That's the problem with a lot of like found footage, like documentary stuff. Is like, why? Why are we seeing this? Why is this being filmed? Why are they filming a police chase instead of just, or why are they filming being Mm -hmm. chased by a car? Yeah, instead of just getting the fuck out of there. Mm -hmm. And then I I do. I do want to disagree slightly with you here, Justin, because you said, why are we seeing this? And I would suggest most of the film, you're not seeing anything. And that's part of the problem. Well, that, no, like, you, you, but you know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, though, is they, they, they have the camera on. Like, why would you have the camera on? I know. But I mean, it's the fact that you're even thinking like, I wonder why they had the camera on. And I'm thinking if they're going to have the camera on, it'd be nice if they were images being captured by the camera. Point to something. Or, or at least com- in compelling audio. Like, if we're going to do an audio drop, like, I actually think that could be interesting for some of those sections if they had figured out how to do the audio in a way that was, like, haunting or compelling. That could be sick. But it's almost like they actually think you can see stuff and you can't see stuff. And and so the sound's just a, uh, uh. Uh, and you're like, yeah. Someone describe what's happening, or give me some foley work. Are something. they fucking? Like, what's yeah, what's going on? I mean, look. If I, you 
if you watch this with the captions on like I did because I'm an old woman, um, <laughs> a lot of the scenes where it's just dark, the captions just said, ugh, ugh, <laughs> ugh. And I'm like, this is so, yeah. so uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, look, I, so I, I, Justin's making all these jokes about this movie because while I was watching it, I, I, I texted him and, or was I, I don't know if I texted you or I messaged you, but I just was complaining about the movie being not an easy watch. I was being cranky about it. Um, and, uh, uh, and I don't think it's, uh, I think the idea, like the concept that gets us going isn't a bad one. And I think you're right that the setup could be compelling. But at a certain point, right, the structure changes from an obvious kind of like mockumentary thing into, you know, a bit of an action movie, as you said. And all of those parts are so painful. But the not being able to see something thing... So when when I said like I'm kind of excited we're covering this movie because now there's movies I want to subject Justin to that I that I normally <laughs> would not do. You subjected me to terrible movies. You made me watch Don't Panic. Yeah, I, I don't. I, the, I I'm talking about like here's a good example that I want to tell Marissa and Anne about. There's a movie called Trash Cans of Terror, right? <laughs> and the thesis of Trash Cans of Terror is that there are trash cans that are attacking people. And I don't okay. think there's much thought beyond that, right? <laughs> and it is far less thoughtful or well-written. And I would say it's even less well-acted than this movie. And this movie would be superior in every way except for this, right? There are large sections of the film, Trash Kids of Terror, in which two guys just stand in a yard with a static shot and punch trash cans. And they... <laughs> are really acting as if the trash cans are attacking them and they're fighting off these trash cans using their sheer strength. And what makes that superior to anything that happens in this movie, besides the commitment to the bit, is that they took the time to think, how is this shit going to look? You know? Mm-hmm. And honestly, they fucking sell it. It looks mm-hmm. good. You believe that they're fighting trash cans, even though it's just two jerk-offs in a friggin' yard in Canada, of all places, fighting trash cans. <laughs> Right. I would suggest the people who made this movie, if they spent one minute thinking as carefully as the makers of Trash Kids of Terror, who I think were 17, did about uh, did about how the movie looked, this movie would be better because even the parts with the bad acting are less upsetting to me than the multiple moments, not just the dark moments, but there are moments where they're in the desert hiding from the bad guys And they just don't take a second to think. Because here's the issue for me. If you're going to make a found footage movie, right, and you're not going to do the most difficult thing, I think, of a found footage movie, which is justifying the filming, right? And and Justin always brings this up. He hates when found footage movies don't justify why someone is filming. And I think that's fair. And and that's actually why I think found footage movies aren't as easy as people make them out to be because mm-hmm. you have to justify how did we get this fucking footage? There's, mm-hmm. You have to think about that. But here's the deal. If you're not going to think about that, then at least give me something to fucking look at. In fact, I would be more forgiving if there was no justification, but at least there were images worth seeing. This movie does, the for me, the unforgivable sin of these people wouldn't be filming this, 
But if they are going to film it, at least make it like you can see what's happening. And large portions of this movie are unwatchable. Uh, parts of it that are unwatchable still manage to have some enough dialogue that there's information there that you need. But there's just nothing happening on the screen worth looking at. And that just bums me out at a very base level and made me really frustrated with this movie. And I think it didn't have to be that way. Just because a movie has no budget and three actors or, you know, I guess if you count the guys in suits, maybe a dozen actors, doesn't mean it can't be compelling. Doesn't mean it can't have interesting moments. It can be fun. And I just didn't find any part of this movie very fun or compelling or scary uh, except for honestly, I will say, as you know, you guys also all said the setup, which I think is for what mm-hmm. it is pretty well done. Like I, I'm thinking, I all right, I, I initially texted Justin, is this a documentary? Cause I was like, what the fuck is going on right now? It kind of just drops you in and goes. And, and I don't think that's a bad way to get this thing going, but once it gets to the road trip, it just feels like it goes completely off the rails in a way that like, isn't fun for me. Uh, and, and, you know, that's, that's where I find myself being like really frustrated with the movie. Yeah. And I think too, like with you talking about like, where are you pointing the camera? It also lost me at the practicality piece of it because when they were in the desert and the, you know, the FBI agents came out, they're like, Oh, we're we're hiding under these like tumbleweeds. I'm like, you're in plain sight of these like 12 (laughs) pages. They caught you. And like, it made Uh, a whole scene. Especially there was like a helicopter at one point. I'm like, that motherfucker can see everything you're doing. There's no (laughs) way you're getting out of this. So, okay. For me, I had a very distinct point where I realized that this was not a documentary, a real documentary. And I feel like it's kind of, kind of, so do you know when they were in the hotel? Yeah. And, they before they had gone out to look and they focused in on I don't not the guy with the wife and the kid yeah Mike Mike? was that Mike yeah okay yeah so they focus in on Mike and he's on the phone and he's clearly distressed and I say like clearly distressed as in not the best acting head to the forehead shaking his head kind of thing (laughs) do you know what I'm talking about yeah do you know Mm -hmm. what for me, that was when I realized, oh, they're trying to put in some kind of other story here, and this is not a true story. It, so I don't know. And then there was a scene. The other scene that got me was when they were bo- all in the car screaming at each other. It was too much. <laughs> too much. I was really stressed I out. I dramatics, but that was a little, a little extra. I, I would have thrown that Lloyd out of the car in about five <laughs> seconds. I could not stand that. Like. There were just some scenes that I'm like, you probably could have cut this out. It definitely would have worked for you. You know what I I found was hilarious was when Mike, I don't know, died, got abducted, whatever happened to him. Um, Afterwards, Lloyd was like, don't blame yourself. He was a good guy. (laughs) Like, no, (laughs) not a kid whatever happened to Mike. I the 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 thing with the with the Mike subplot of you know he's worried about his wife and kids he's worried about his wife and kids it's like until the end of the movie I couldn't pick the two filmmakers out of a lineup like they mm-hmm. they don't matter really at no. all and yet they're like we got to add some context here I know you've got a family and you're worried about them. And I'm like, there's just not enough here for this to let's focus on the disappeared town. I feel like there's enough there to work with. We don't need 
backstory on Mike and his no. and his wife, which they, they, because there's no context for why he needs to call them every few minutes, it starts to be like, ah, oh, come on, tell there, there's a missing city over here, Mike. Tell your wife to, yeah, to come cool on, it. Mike. But again, it's the also, practicality piece because Mike called his wife like, just go to your mother's house. I'm like, dude, if the FBI or aliens or a combination are tracking you, they know your wife went to her dude, mom's house. I, I was I was thinking like they should have done the thing like, oh, I'm trying to, th- there, there was a movie, they do it in movies all the time where like a character would be like, do you remember that place that I proposed? Oh, I was in fucking uh, <laughs> Shawshank Redemption. He's like, do you remember yep. the name of the town that I told you about? You know, if you go to the place, like, it just... Don't be like, you need to pack up and go to your mother's. Like, that's how, that is how, that is literally how the fucking T-800 tracks down Sarah Connor and Kyle Reese in the Terminator. Because she calls her <laughs> fucking mom. Because he know like, uh, it's fucking stupid. Well, I also liked the other guy whose name I don't remember. The I feel like towards. Here. Josh. Yeah. Josh. So Josh. halfway through, they're like, oh shit, Josh should probably have a family too. And he's like, <laughs> I got to call my dad and then like <laughs> that's it that's the only time you hear about this other family i'm like did they forget that maybe josh had a had a backstory as well what what they should have done was they should have made a tribute to independence day or harvey figurestein utters the classic line i have to call my mom i have to call my therapist i have to call my lawyer oh forget my lawyer that's what they needed in this movie <laughs> I mean, Justin, did this get under your skin? I know that you are sensitive about aliens. The opening, or the opening scene got under my skin, but yeah. the longer the movie went on, the less the less reasonable it seemed to me. Um, and I will say that watching this movie on the tails of a film I've been fucking shouting about, uh, Savage Land, which has ruined every other found footage for me. There's so many glaring... like. There's so much fat that needs to be trimmed from this movie. And there's so much like fumbling, clumsy, first time getting to second base in the backseat of your car moments in this movie that are so badly done. And yeah, again, the whole thing with like, you know, my man calling his family. Like we don't need human drama in these films. We don't. It's it's one of the biggest stumbling blocks that found footage has Mm -hmm. is like. Anytime you try to add human drama to these stories, it just comes off as insincere because why would people be talking about this when they're running for their lives from some supernatural threat? Just it never does that. Like no one's ever like, oh, I got to get home because, you know, my dog, uh, she has like staples in her leg and I have to put her cone on her head. And we we like that guy like that never happens in, in these in these stories. And like it just reeked of like the second half of this movie once it becomes like a buddy road trip just reeked of like these cheap attempts to make us feel something for these characters Mm -hmm. and i just couldn't find it in myself to really give a fuck about them as people um like even at the very end when they they did the obligatory uh heather from blair witch like talking to the camera (laughs) apologizing like Oh my god, he's like in a dump. Like, what the fuck? With background music playing, I'm like, is there a soundtrack going on? Yeah, that's another thing. Another cardinal rule of found footage is like, you never put a fucking soundtrack in it, it it completely takes you out of it. I like to imagine he put it there himself, he was playing it while he was, was yeah, on his phone. Yeah, Yeah. well, that's like me in the supermarket playing Hungry Eyes over my phone while I videotape an aisle of. 
of sweet chili Doritos. It's the wrong age of cell phones. It would have had to be like a MIDI version of the song. Yeah, Crazy they, Frog. Yeah. <laughs> this is ringtone. Yeah. I don't know. I'm 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 ready to be done with this. I will say I I think you could steal this entire movie and like with a little bit of insight and an actual like budget and actual actors, you could make a version of this movie that actually like fucked with people. Like I just yeah. I, I don't think the idea is bad. But who boy, the execution was really half-assed. No, it, it, it also, upon viewing this again, I realized that this movie, um, that these guys found a fallout shelter out in the desert, and we were like, we need to make a movie around this. It's so glaringly obvious that's what happened. Yeah, because that's well, like the one thing they couldn't, you know, they couldn't just recreate that. Like they just found this old shelter in the desert, and we're like, uh, desert aliens. <laughs> So, I, I think know. like the whole like we talked about like the subplots with the characters. I think this movie obviously did a really shitty job of it, but I I know that because at the end when they were playing like the news articles of them all dying oh or disappearing, God. I couldn't give two shits what happened to any of the characters. Yeah. <laughs> like oh, you did not compel me to make any connection to any character whatsoever. They were burned beyond recognition. It's good. Like, so I what? hope they were alive until the very end. <laughs> Well, this is a good, I think, transition in that sense, because um, after watching this movie, if I said to you, well, over the quarantine, some folks made a horror movie over Zoom, you <laughs> might think, you know what? No, thank you. But you would be <laughs> fucking wrong. Oh, my gosh. Shit. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Do you guys need to get anything to drink or anything like that? I'm good. I'm still OK. All right. We will be right back. Hi guys. Hey Caroline. Caroline. Hi Teddy. Hi. <laughs> Let's do a shot after us. Okay, everyone, get in. Three, two, one. Have you ever done anything like this before? I've never done this over Zoom. Obviously, we're not physically together, but there's no reason why Spirit can't communicate over the internet. Nothing's going to happen. Visualize us sitting in a circle. Spirit, we invite you to use us to pass on any communication. Is there anyone there? Please come forth. What was that? Amy, was that you? I heard it. I heard something. I think there's something here. Do you see that? Oh, Emma, oh. funny. Something. You know, we've connected with something. We gotta keep going. We gotta talk to it. This is not good. I told you not to disrespect the spirits. It could be something demonic. Emma, turn the filters off. Come on. And we are back to talk about 2020's uh, absolute fucking banger of a horror movie host. Um, I'm not sure if this movie really needs any, any introduction, but for those of you who've been sitting in a cave on Mars with your fingers in your ears uh, the last couple months, 
since this movie came out, uh, six friends hire a medium to hold a seance via Zoom during lockdown, but they get far more than they bargained for as things quickly go wrong. I, so I've, I've there's been several movies, not like hosts, but like movies that have this platform like done over like you know videos or Facebook. Like I love those movies for some reason. I agree. I think they're fascinating. Like unfriended and friend yeah. request. Mm-hmm. I love unfriended. I don't know what it is about those movies, but like they really draw me. And I think maybe because it's there's not a whole lot of other stuff going on. Like you can't be distracted by other things. It's all on one screen, you know. I actually have not watched any of them, and now I'm kind of curious. I, you know, I I don't think those have as many people excited about them as were about host. But I'm very curious about how this sort of functions because I think for hosts, they really make the most of what you're able to see. Mm-hmm. And and it's somewhat limited. I mean, I will say I'm not a big jump scare person. And I actually found the lead up to some of the jump scares more upsetting than some of the jump scares. Although mm-hmm. I think Justin's right. The one at the end is like all time you know, fucking end my life. What the fuck, you know? <laughs> but, uh, but sometimes jump scares bum me out because it's sort of the opposite of what some people say, like, uh, jump scares don't scare me. It's because they scare me so easily. It's like too cheap. You know what I mean? That like sometimes with a yeah. jump scare, I'm like, Oh, something jumped at me and I, I got freaked out. Cool. That's good job. You know, like mm-hmm. you're right. You're right. I have basic defense mechanisms. Right. That's, not, that's, that's, okay. that's, that's not hard. It, Except when you, <laughs> opening night of it chapter one, when you screamed at the projector, bro. Part. That's what that was, I literally just said. All jump was, scares work on me, and that that's why not, I don't like them. That was not. That was not reflex. That was terror. Well, yeah, I mean that one was pretty fucking good, but I, I mean I, I'll yell at anything. I yelled. I think I yelled during like Shutter Island. You know what I mean? Like I yelled during the host, like, you know, the well, jump scares, they do their job. They do what they're supposed right, to do. Right. And so I think if, if, if you have a piece of horror that relies on them, sometimes that bums me out because I feel like there's not anything else there. And so, you know, for people who haven't watched this yet, there are some serious jump scares. There's a lot of creepiness leading up to them. There's a lot of mm-hmm. quiet dread. There's a lot of haunting moment. It's not like constantly things jumping at your screen. There's a lot of other stuff going on as well. So I think for me, when watching this, I found that I, I think, and I don't know if this is purposeful, it might be wrong, but I wanted to ask you guys about it. I felt that they were setting it up for more, for more character development than there was, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. So... I'm the sorry, main character. No, I'm sorry. The main. The, I mean, I guess she's not the main character, but the the woman that we meet first in the movie. It was Haley. Yeah, Haley. Mm-hmm. Something about her felt so uncomfortable to me, and I don't know if maybe it was just her performance in general, but I really thought that she had something to do with this, something going on, and I just felt that there was a little more, and I was like, maybe are they doing that to make me feel uncomfortable? Like there's something else happening. But I don't know. What did you see? Did I feel all of that? them. No, I think I think I agree. I think there was there was room for character development. I just I don't think they put a lot of 
thought into the character development because what's the purpose of having their background or like their personality come through because the focus is on the seance and the spirit. The only person that you really kind of got a feel for was Gemma, which was the one that like fucked the whole thing up. And yeah. I actually ended up kind of hating her because of it. But that's the only character that I felt any kind of emotion towards at all. Mm. I also wonder to what extent we're dealing with. I mean, it's a it's a short film. It's, it's not like even. Hour, yeah. yeah, it's 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 not, you know, I don't think that the, the idea of feature length really matters, but it's technically not a feature length. I think you have to be like hour 20 to qualify as feature length. I don't think that matters for the experience of the film, but I wonder if the I mean, obviously, that puts some limitations on character development, especially when you're trying to have a lot of spooky stuff happen. But also, I wonder if there's some feeling from the filmmakers of like, how long can we actually get people to stare at this Zoom setup? Like, Mm -hmm. is there a limit of people's willingness to watch Zoom in a movie or not? I I don't know. And, And, you know, because it all happens in the Zoom meeting, how much reliable backstory could we even get before it started to feel like, oh, this is like an information dump. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I I feel like what little context we get is believable. I do think something about the beginning of the movie is haunting because I wonder to what extent she's doing this thing because she does think something's going on at her apartment. You know what I mean? Like, it it opens with the stuff coming out of her closet. Did Mm -hmm. she set this whole fucking thing up? As much as, yes, it's her friend's fault. Is it? Did she set this whole thing up because she's thinking, I don't know, something fucked up's happened in my house. In which case, it's kind of her fault too because she didn't <laughs> say to everybody. By the way, True, yeah. by the way, I That's, think I might be being haunted. She doesn't say anything. I got about that it. feeling. She seemed to be doing this for her own, for her own benefit, but not telling anyone else. And it kind of worked out that it wasn't her fault, sort of, kind of, but it actually was her fault. I don't know. I just felt it's like something else was going on. It's not her responsibility to speak up to say that she wants this ghost to come out. Like it, it was open to the group to think about someone who passed away and Gemma sure. had to make someone yeah. up. Yeah, I, I, maybe I'm looking too far into things, but I do appreciate the fact that there was these light hints of like a group dynamic with this crew. Yes, you know, mm-hmm. like. There's obviously like I, I don't think this is the first time Gemma has done something like this. Like I had no. a friend <laughs> growing up who was that person. Um, and then uh, was Teddy like the guy mm-hmm. with the fucking jerk off mm-hmm. girlfriend. Yeah. Like it's very clear that there's tension between them and him because of her. Mm-hmm. Um and just like the little hints, like the one girl, like her dad was like, Hey, have fun tonight, guys. Like, well, like all that was very well like I thought that was not necessary but it, it added a layer of this that made me see them as real people and real which friends. made it, it yeah, exactly like which made it like it, it like you then feel that sense of empathy for them going into this movie which makes seeing them in distress all the more horrific mm-hmm. i also i think the um the production of it with it being a shorter film like only like an, a little over an hour was right with the storyline because at the end if you guys pay attention to the details it was a zoom meeting so there's like oh you're free 40 minute zoom sessions ending and it's like oh it can't oh, be right. no right. Really i should have mentioned i should have mentioned movie. that that it actually very much works within that context yeah yeah i i have to say too the credits really got me that i was, thought they were yeah, amazing cool. mm-hmm. yeah because i thought that that was part of the movie 
Yeah, I thought something more was happening. I was like, oh no, I might just, I might just be very credits. simple. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, wait, who's who's clicking? And I'm like, oh, it's this is the end of the movie, but whatever. No, 100% I thought, is there going to, the first time I saw it, not this watch, but the first time I saw it, I thought, is there going to be a stinger? Was someone like, in, and then I was like, oh wait, no, it's just a clever way to show us the credits. Okay. But yeah, for half I a love second, that, I wasn't though. sure. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I, I, I love think, a good gimmick. I think it's, you know, there are perhaps people who might feel that this movie is light because of that context of it's it's within the context of the zoom meeting we don't get a lot of you know sort of background details you know like there are things that for people who maybe have a certain investment in a kind of narrative that this doesn't work for but um at minimum i don't understand how people wouldn't respect this as like an exercise in format. Can we even do this fucking thing? Can mm. we film it over Zoom and have it fit within the timing of a Zoom meeting and still fuck people up? Because as that alone, it's a pure success. But I think even as a horror movie, why not? Why not have this be... Again, we, me and Justin have spent a lot of time talking about horror and a lot of time talking about why we think some things work and some things don't. And this goes against one of our let's not call them rules, but tendencies, which is caring about characters can oftentimes make a horror movie more effective. And I think that's true. And this movie doesn't mm -hmm. prove that wrong. But it does show that like you could succeed at other things and not have characters that you're super invested in and the movie's still freaky because you got other things right that compensate for, sure. for the fact that we don't know a lot about these characters. And yet we do. it does show, on the other hand, uh, sort of what Justin said. We get a feeling that these are real people. They're not just, uh, uh, they don't feel fake. They feel like actual humans. We just don't get to know a lot about them. Mm -hmm. Well, I think with how much detail they put into the production, like even yeah. with, I thought it was like cool when like uh, someone's screen would glitch or freeze, like that even small kind of thing, like that's what happens in a Zoom call. So like it made it seem very real. Like you were just if that's what it is you made you feel like you were in that zoom session with them and you were just like another person in that in that session what in the seance i also think there's this weird like layer to it of you know how when people do like abstract art and they're they're like oh my yeah. god they're just painting on paper i could totally do that and then you watch a movie like this and you're like i could probably I could probably film this. <laughs> I, can I could probably make a Zoom horror movie. And then you think about all that goes into it. And I'm like, oh, my God, holy shit. This is like this is an extreme for extremely different form of horror that I could never, ever do. But it seems like I could do it. Like you just get the I don't know if that the level of like timing and coordination had to actually like how many times did they have to go through this thing? How much editing was exactly like, it feels continuous. I doubt it is continuous. There's got to be probably some edits going on. But however they did those edits feels seamless to me. It all feels like mm -hmm. this shit happened the way we saw it. Mm -hmm. Well, and what's I think too what helps with the connection like that made us believe that they were <laughs> actually friends was all the characters like that's actually their names i believe like that's right. yes yeah and yeah. i it, i think they were also filming in their own apartments or houses it seems like it because at the end i don't know if you guys watched it all the way through when they they showed like oh we actually prepared this by doing our own seance over zoom and the background was similar to what the actual background was for each character during the movie yeah i feel oh, like I they actually filmed it individually like they were all recording in their homes mm-hmm 
yeah, I mean, I think that it wasn't fake. Like, I think to, to a certain extent, this is a, a, an actual result of the quarantine that people were actually in. It wasn't like we made this mm-hmm. after quarantine was over. They had yeah. to figure out how to make this thing while actually being in the situation. Which is genius. Like, it's it makes you think there might be a whole new a whole new genre of horror like covid covid core COVID something core. like that although i haven't seen anything else come out of the pandemic that is as good as this so far yeah, i hope true. there is something i hope there's more for i really you do didn't, you didn't you didn't like the michael bay what was uh, it called songbird uh, so justin obviously you've already talked about the the effectiveness of the jump scares here um, did this get under your skin in other ways? I don't know. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, yeah, talk, talk to me a little <laughs> bit about some of the other ways this like fucked with you beyond um, just the really good. I mean, I, I, you know, again, I don't like jump scares, but a lot of the jump scares here are very good. Uh, the scene where I think it was Emma's character, there was like the face recognition thing in the background. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yes. Mm-hmm. That, oh, so the first time I saw it, scared the fuck out of me (laughs) yeah and then the scene um i forget who was they threw like a sheet and it like same character same character holy fuck that is so goddamn effective Um, i wasn't ready for it no oh no not at all um no just just the idea of like Just the idea of seeing someone, like seeing into someone's house, and you're watching, you're talking to someone, and you can see behind them, and then something might be happening that, like, they don't see, and then that makes you think, like, there might be something happening behind me that I can't see. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was just this... It's weirdly effective. Yeah, there, there, there was this really, really effective... Uh, the, these actors did a, had a really effective way where you could see the fear like a wildfire spreading when they each started to realize like this is fucking real like this isn't yeah. Gemma fucking around this isn't like I don't think any of them but uh, Haley believed in any of this stuff before it started mm-hmm. but once you could see the switch in each character going from oh, like yeah. skeptic to believer that was just delicious that was so frightening that you're watching it unfold and it's like Jesus Christ this really feels like you're watching this in real time mm-hmm. it's again it's it's I could see why some people maybe this isn't big for them whether it's a stylistic thing or a vibe thing but to me th- this marriage of the creepy like there's a lot of like slow dreadful things going on with what I think are mostly very sort of tasteful jump scares, you know, I just worked, man. It, it's, it's, it's super effective and super impressive. And even though there aren't a ton of special effects, what little is here is like very well done in my mind. Um, and there was nothing that like took me out of it. And for me, one of the other moments when, when the woman has up the uh, away screen and then she like, comes oh, at her computer. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. I mean, honestly, there's just something upsetting. Like when someone has a background like that and then they sort of like show up in their own background like that, 
that's already yep. just weird. And so playing off that anxiety is, I guess some people might think it's a gimmick, but to me, even as a gimmick, it's super effective and it fucked me up. It, I was very, I was like, oh God, fuck. Like, yeah, I think yeah. that was the first jump scare that really got me. Yeah. It yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think too, like for me, the a big thing was the the idea of like Zoom and the pandemic and looking at it from an outside perspective that the internet makes you feel super close to people. But when you really looked at it, all of those girls, well, yeah, they were all girls. They were, they were all still alone and mm-hmm. Teddy, but you know what I mean? Like it, it kind of made me think about it, how we felt like we were all together kind of right via the internet. But when it came down to it, if something scary happened in your house, you were mostly by yourself. And that was extra. That made it extra weird for me. To what extent to like, as I was thinking about what you're saying, to what extent to is, was the experience of the pandemic watching through a screen as other people suffered, you know, mm-hmm. which doesn't mean you weren't going through your own thing, but like watching, you know, them watching each other, you know, go through these various haunting things. That's how I felt about the people getting sick. Like I, exactly. I, I right. you know, very rarely, even if they were your family members, did you get to see people up close getting sick? You saw it through a filter. You saw it over. It was it was it was translated to you in some way. And that's like this experience. They're all going through it together, but it's also being translated or or obscured or whatever. Oh, it, it just taps into the anxiety of that time in a way that is like super upsetting. Yeah, I I think too. Like you, you look, you look, for me. I when I saw characters like who had you know the one girl had her dad there, the one girl had her boyfriend or whatever that she didn't like. I was like, oh well, at least they're not alone. And then <laughs> then they all die or go missing, and I'm like, oh god, like is this some kind of weird reference to the coronavirus and death and well, you know what I think is going to be interesting. Like I don't know how how long this movie is going to be relevant to people and like are people going to be watching this in 10 years like probably not I don't think so I don't know but I feel like in the future if you watch this movie unless you were an adult and lived through COVID and experienced all of that I don't know if you'll relate to that interpersonal piece of this movie unless you went through it on your own you know they'll probably talk about it in a cultural studies class in 15 years yeah for like 10 minutes and then yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) No one will be paying attention. <laughs> well, then they're missing out. Much the way they're missing out on the ending of Planet of the Apes. It's important, people, okay? It's what? important. <laughs> I think I think the impact of the end of Planet of the Apes doesn't work for people anymore because it's been mocked so many times that like when that shit happened in the theater, there were people who were like, Oh fuck, it's us. Like it was like it was actually a bobshell, and now we're all like, it's the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're laughing, but I, that was sure. a very salient point. I, I was very smart. Just okay. Like, I'll let you have it. I'm just saying. All right. Any any other thoughts on host? I think I said I think I said I think it's if it's I know some people only want to watch like horror movies once and like they're done with it because like once you're scared you're scared but I watch this now three times and I got spooked every single time so I think it it stands the test for the scary part of things oh yeah absolutely I think even if this doesn't work for someone on a personal level we should be thinking about how it works with the form you know like 
there's just something really interesting about being able to do this over Zoom. And I don't know that like I want to now a million movies like Unfriended. Like maybe that's not the future of horror for say. Yeah, it, it, it shows that you can do something interesting over a different format than what we're used to, which is like set the camera up, get the shot. You know, mm-hmm. there's a sense in which filmmaking is a closed format in which there's only so much innovation you can do without disrupting things to to a point where it doesn't make sense. And yet this shows like, no, 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 there's still new things to be done. There's still mm-hmm. new ways where you can mess with the format and yet still accomplish similar ends. And I just think that's interesting. I think it's worth thinking about, you know. Well, they said, like, I read that they made this film from start to finish within 12 weeks. So, like, obviously a very short time frame, and you had to do that during COVID. You didn't know when we were getting out of it. But um, it's so well done for such a short amount of time that they took to make the movie. Oh, yeah. It it definitely, like, as Liam pointed out earlier, like, if this isn't one, like, you cannot spot the the editing in this movie. Mm -hmm. It's seamless. No. It looks like one take, yeah. All right, well, that was Host. Yay. Available on Shadar and Amazon Prime. Because I have to Yay. mispronounce things. I have to put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. Uh, <laughs> Anna and Marissa, thank you guys so much for coming on and chatting with us. Thank you. Thanks for having Thanks. us. Where, uh, where, where, can, where can people find you on the social medias? Uh, on social media, we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram at But What Do We Know Podcast. We're on Twitter at BWDWK Podcast. We take emails at But What Do We Know Pod at gmail.com. And to listen to us, we're on all, all the podcast streaming Spotify, iTunes, all the stuff. So come find us. Yay. Be Wonderful. nice, too. <laughs> yeah, please be nice. Yeah, definitely <laughs> please be nice, be nice to us. <laughs> Uh, if you guys want to hear more episodes of this podcast and several other podcasts, like, I don't know, Liam's other shit, his other crap, <laughs> fucking Cinepunks uh-huh. and, and, and Cinema Smorgasbord, which both put out two, <laughs> two new episodes today, and a bunch of other shit. I don't have time to talk about it. Some cool articles <laughs> that I should be writing, but I'm not because I'm crazy. Um, you can head to www.cinepunks.com. If you're listening to this on iTunes, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Um, and check us out on patreon.com backslash cinepunks shout out to xlvacx.com Chris Reject is a monster but we love him and also Essex Coffee Roasters gotta go there gotta go check it out and finally um, the Mahoning Drive-In will never die and thanks again to Justin Justin for single-handedly saving it single-handedly I (laughs) did it I saved the day I am the, I am the sentry, no wait, Thor kills sentry at the end of siege. I am Thor saving the world from sentry at the end of the siege storyline. There's your deep dive for the day. Uh, so again, thank you to the homies, Anna and Marissa. Thank you to you for listening. And until next time. Um, the Warrens are charlatans and they're currently burning in hell forever. For hell yeah. forever. <laughs> forever. <laughs> Fuck the Warrens. Yes. Fuck them. Peace.
Peace. Do you scan the night sky in search of unidentified aerial phenomena? Do you lose sleep over strange projects funded by the CIA? Ever wonder which orifices ectoplasm comes out of? Come explore the unexplained and unexplainable with us on our podcast, Weird, Obscure, and Possibly Unsafe. We'll talk about telepomancy, haunted railroads, sentient umbrella spirits, mind-altering video games, remote viewing, Spongebob conspiracy theories, and only gets weirder from there. Each episode will share three stories about all the weird things they tell you not to believe. Weird, obscure, and possibly unsafe. Available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey! Hey!